Hey there, and welcome to the Developer Toolbox Podcast. This week, I am your host, Charles Maxwood, and we're talking to Nick Durkin. Did I say that right, Nick? You did. You did. Absolutely. All right. Um, well, uh, you are here from Harness, uh, but why don't you introduce yourself real quick? Let us know who you are and why you're famous and exciting to talk to and all that good stuff. No, thank you again, Chuck, for, for having us on the show. Genuinely appreciate the opportunity. My name is Nick Durkin. I'm the field CTO here at Harness. And at Harness, we're a software delivery platform designed to remove the worst part of your best engineer's jobs. We want to allow you to use a massive amount of machine learning and a tiny bit of AI to genuinely solve all of your problems in the entire software delivery lifecycle. Uh, I came originally from the banks, uh, helped build uh, things like Zelle, the payments platform, and a lot of critical infrastructure for the United States. So when we do this software delivery, we have to do it in a compliant, secure, audited manner. Right. So it's it's the idea of gaining velocity without giving away all the things that are required to actually deliver software accordingly. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, um, I have to say uh, I have a T-shirt from Harness that I got. I think it was at OzCon. I might be wrong about that. Um, but it was out in the Bay Area in San Jose. And <laughs> I'm going to tell a little bit of a funny story. But uh, um, I was talking to somebody at one of the booths. And uh, she looks at me and she goes, you have to go see the ducky guy. And I thought she was a little bit, you know, crazy, I guess. She was super excited about the ducky guy. And I don't remember who uh, your person was that was at the conference, but he was handing out rubber ducks. And uh, he, I also have a shirt that says get ship done, I think. And it has a duck on it. And so, yeah, anyway, so that's that's what I remember about harness is the ducks. But yeah. No, it's it's a common memory for a lot of people. And what's interesting is we we created it. So so GSD was our motto early days. And so as uh-huh. a startup, you have to go and you just have to get everything done. And so right. it didn't matter if it was hanging wireless networking, you know, on the ceiling or or going to customers or or, or writing code. Like we all kind of took a role. So GSD was our motto. And we figured since we're shipping software, we'll go with it. And our goal was to create a canary. So we wanted little canaries everywhere for canary <laughs> deployments. But be very clear, more often than anything else, that is a rubber ducky for someone. And uh, and I quit arguing with people whether it's a duck or a canary. As long as you you know that it's harness, I don't mind. Oh, that's funny. So I have a shirt with a canary on it. Is that what you're telling me? I, You know, that's it. That's it. I mean, originally we were going to do a you know blue and green canaries, but we, we could uh-huh. not figure out how to make that work. So so we, we just we figured a canary, but genuinely duck. Uh, chicken. I've heard just about everything. All right. Good deal. Well, uh, I just have to say, okay, well, folks, if, uh, if you see him at the conference, go get a canary rubber duck. That's it. Um, so yeah, so I got an email from you and, uh, it, it started off just talking about some of the stuff we wanted to talk about. And the thing that really hit me was talking about developer experience and effectively what you talked about was like during the pandemic and now the economy's changed and people are getting laid off and stuff like that. Uh, effectively, yeah, people are not doing the kind of work that they want to do. A lot of people are burned out. And, you know, I'm feeling that. I'm, I'm talking to a lot of people who are feeling that, right? Um, you know, I'm working this contract. Um, I'll admit sometimes they don't always have their stuff together and, or sometimes I wind up, um, going in and tinkering with stuff until it works instead of really writing the interesting code that I want to write. 
And then um, they're asking a whole bunch of stuff for me and I get a little bit burned out. And yeah, other people are feeling it too, right? Either trying to keep their job or they're getting laid off or whatever. And so, yeah, I'm wondering who you're talking to and, and if there's kind of a, a common story or a theme to this, or maybe you know somebody and you just want to talk about their situation that, that you can use to illustrate that, that because I, I, I'm feeling it and I'm talking to other people who are feeling it. I think everyone right now is under pressure to do more with less. And the problem mm -hmm. is during the pandemic, we, we all started working in a different way than we were used to. And, right. and, you know, there were no more water cooler breaks. There was no more opportunity. It seemed to be zoom after zoom after zoom and meeting after meeting after meeting. And, and genuinely, um, you know, I think if you look statistically, it's something like 80% of people right now in, in, in software delivery feel burnt out. And yeah. really, I think a part of this is because we're not allowing people to do what they're best at. So here's an interesting one that I think, and in, in, in it, I think when you when I draw this light on it, maybe you can help me, you know, see if this lands well. If I was building an airport, right? Because uh -huh. I figure that's the easiest way to get to the cloud, right? Let's let's take a plane to the cloud. So we're gonna, we're going to build an airport, <laughs> right? And if I'm going to build an airport, you know, each one of these applications or airplanes has to get, you know, uh, has to go mm -hmm. on the runway and has to has to get up to the cloud. Would I have every single airplane build its own runway and every single team building every single airplane build its own runway? There's no that, way. Right? There's just absolutely no way. That wouldn't uh -huh. make any logical sense for any normal business. And yet, how much time are people spending working on their pipelines, working on how to get applications out, making sure they're secure, they're audited, they're compliant, and creating entirely new mm -hmm. pipelines for every single application? And so what we found is that people are genuinely spending a massive amount of time on the things that don't matter and should be templatized and should be repeatable. Right. right. No other business would do that. And I think people are starting to realize, you know, why am I spending so much time on all the things that don't matter as opposed to spending the time on the thing that I'm phenomenal at? Mm -hmm. No, it's so it, true. I mean, I can give an example of this too, <clears throat> where, um, you know, I'm working on, I'm working on integration. So I'm writing, talk to this API, talk to this API. Right. And yeah, you know, um, out of the blue, all of a sudden it's, well, hey, QA needs to test your code. Can you deploy it? And, you know, I'd been working with these people for almost a year before that happened. I'm going, maybe, <laughs> right? You know, right. And, and they had already figured out how to deploy it, but nobody had walked me through it, right? And I just want to write cool code. And so, yeah, I had to figure it out. And then they change the process and so then i have to figure it out again and again and again and and i de i definitely feel you there because that that really is that has been my experience at least over the last few months is every couple of weeks i have to figure out a new way to do something that i really i don't want to go click 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 deploy and i think that's it i think so many people are phenomenal at what they do you know I wouldn't hire a plumber to do my electrical work and I wouldn't hire an electrician to do my plumbing. It's not to say they couldn't do it. Right. Right. But why would I, why would I go and do that? And and I think sometimes we forget, we ask for these large full stack developers, which now, by the way, full stack developer, I, I, I can't even list everything that's required. It's, it's gotten to a point of insanity. <laughs> right. And, and, and our expectations is that they still deliver as much code as we expect them to right. and also do everything else. And I think right. that's, we've pushed a little too far. And I think we're, you know, when we talk about shift left, I think it should be shifting the information left, not the workload. 
right? Give people the right information to be able to do do the right things, to make sure it integrates with the right systems, to make sure that it works with the right tooling, that it that works in the pipeline, not you defining those every single time. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, some of the stuff that I work on that's just my stuff, right? I mean, I have a pretty standard setup. And so, yeah, everything deploys the same way. And, and it's really nice. It's like, okay, I pushed code up and now I've got to push it onto the server. So I just run my script and I'm done, right? Absolutely. And, and, and yeah, I don't have to think about it. That And that's how I want everything to work, right? Except for the one piece that, like you said, I'm really good at. That's it. And the thing is, is when we looked at continuous delivery, gosh, five, six years ago, the intention was to automate everything. Like, mm-hmm. Why should there be these manual pieces? You take these even large regulated industries that do large change advisory boards and those things are going in production. Why is there humans involved? They have Those humans have rules of what should be applied. Those should be applied in a pipeline at runtime. If they're not met, it can't deploy. Like yep. nothing here is something we can't automate as far as the things that get in our way. And then what that then frees us up for is to do the things that we're phenomenal at. And I think empowering yeah. teams to do what they're best at is genuinely the goal. You want to get to a place where people aren't overburdened, they're burnt out, they're ready to quit, empower them to do what they're phenomenal at. Let security teams write the rules and the mm-hmm. policies. Let the infrastructure teams define the infrastructures of where things can be deployed. Let the DevOps team figure out how that pipeline is going to go from, you know, Uh, code all the way through to production with all the right checks all the right pieces that meet those security rules and then as an engineer i should never see my delivery platform at all ever unless something goes wrong and then i should only see what i need to solve the problem and i don't care if it's a whole bunch of open source tools or if it's something like harness it genuinely shouldn't matter that should be the 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 goal of anyone who's actually working in software no, I love it because, yeah, I mean, and it's not even just that, hey, I'm doing a thing that's not technically my job description. It's, it's, I, I became a programmer because that stuff lights me up, right? That's the stuff that gets me excited. And to be fair, I really actually do enjoy the DevOps part of stuff, but I've talked to a lot of people, they don't want to think about it. And, I, you know, if, if, if you're really good at the one thing, then yeah, you know, why are you doing the plumbing? Right. And I think that's, like I said, we took it too far one way. We need to re-enable and re-empower our people to do what they're best at. Um, and then really that's where you're going to find what people are looking for. So if you want to do more with less, right, I, you know, I, I look at it like if I was going to throw up drywall, I can do it. But the people who do that for a living do it so fast, so efficiently, much prettier. Mm-hmm. It's going to stay longer. Right. Uh, but why wouldn't I? So how bad is it, right? Um, I mean, is it... Hey, look, you know, 10% of your time, you're just going to have to suck it up and do ops, right? Because I, 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 I think it would be okay if it was 10%. That, that way, right? Yeah. 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 That'd be fine. If, if it was just 10%, I think everybody'd be okay. The problem is right now, you know, when, when surveyed, I think if I look at the specific numbers, I think 54% of people spend less than three hours a day writing code as far as engineers. Like that's the job they sign up for, it's what they want to do. It's to your point, it's what lights them up. Right. right, being able to take something and then again write it in, in into something and and genuinely have people start using it, right? But they're spending less than three hours of their day doing that. To me, that that's crazy. Yeah, I I agree. Well, and it's interesting too because I I've, I've worked from home for like twelve years, and you know I picked up this client. Uh, before that, I worked for Morgan Stanley, and I'll tell you, I I swear, like more than a third, sometimes half of my time, I was in meetings. Right. 
and then and then you throw the twenty five percent of time on that I'm working on the the ops and infrastructure stuff because they don't have people to do it or because it's not well defined or because it's a moving target. And yeah, you know, there were days that I didn't want to show up to work. You you saw that there was seven hours worth of meetings and there mm-hmm. was nine hours worth of development that had to go on. And there's just no math that makes yeah. that work. Right. And and that's just for one day is what it felt like. Well, and, and part of this is too, is, I mean, look, there's more and more need. I know we've had, you know, we've had a lot of economic turmoil, but there are massive amounts of folks hiring, still hiring, still. Oh yeah. This is oh, yeah. not, you know, and, and that's only going to increase. Um, and I think that's the one thing that people forget is that we're, we're constantly looking for more, right? It's not, mm-hmm. it's not like, Oh, we've hit, we've hit capacity. We're good. No, this, there's always, always looking for more and more, but how do we meet that? And, and either a, we, we get a whole bunch more people, or B, we become more efficient with what we can do. And genuinely, as a society, if we look back from, you know, when we used to farm and and, and fight battles with horses, we have <laughs> genuinely empowered people right. to do more, right? Yeah. And I think that's the way we win because everyone can go along with that. If you take away the worst part of people's jobs, if you, you again, allow them to focus on what they're great at, everyone's for that. No one fights well, that. And, and when, I, when I think about it, really, I mean... Um, there are a couple of ways to win this. One is to make them more efficient in the time that they have, right? So you make those three hours count for what used to take four or five. But the other thing, and this seems like a real easy win, is clear off another two or three hours in their day, right? And that's what you're talking about. Take away the part of their job that that sucks, right? It has to be the focus, Right. If if you if you go create some software, you you create some AI that removes the best part of people's jobs. All you all you create is fear. If you mm-hmm. go create artificial intelligence, if you create machine learning models that remove the worst part of people's jobs. Now people are excited. This is actually where Harness got its start. So when we started with continuous delivery, right, the intention was from artifact to customer, and that's we said that mm-hmm. was the hard part. It was a struggle for a lot of people. And one of the worst parts was sitting in that war room babysitting a deployment when it was that massive <laughs> and that large. We've all been there, right? Oh, We've more all times been there. than I want to admit. <laughs> exactly. So our intention was great. Let's remove that. Let's have machine learning. Let's have a yeah. little bit of you know artificial intelligence, some neural networks. Look at this the same way you and I would and actually uh-huh. go, hey, look, performance is fine. The logs look okay. Nothing's new. Nothing's crazy. Keep going. Or, hey, performance is interesting. We're getting some weird, weird, weird things coming out of here. The logs, we got some new errors, we got some new exceptions. Maybe we should go look at it. And again, yeah. by removing that worst part of people's jobs, now I'll start people adopting. And this is where our customers ask us, can you do this for the entire software delivery lifecycle? Like mm-hmm. I'm sure you love waiting for your unit tests to run. 50 lines of code, 3,000 unit tests. I, I make them go fast. If it takes more <laughs> than a minute, I am in that code and I am yep. beating stuff apart because, yeah, I hate it. It, but uh yeah a lot of coffee a lot, lot, lot of coffee breaks as far as i'm concerned when i go do right. my builds but i figured why, why why do that like let's think about it intelligently like like anyone would which is hey i only did 50 lines of code let's go decompile that figure out what tests actually are even associated with it just run those 70 tests yeah right like think yep. about things the way your best engineers would and apply machine learning to take care of that part that that no one wants to wait for yeah I, I have to tell you, um, this reminds me of an instance where, so um, I was working this job 
uh it was probably like what 14 years ago or something and uh yeah we were doing a deployment and uh the the marketing guy was the he was the busybody and uh, the way my coworker put it he was the seagull that flew into the the room and he would either fly around make a lot of noise and crap on the carpet and then leave right or or he would come in make sure everybody was working and then he would just come uh eat some scraps and walk out right and so um and, and most of the time it was the former most of the time he'd come in make a ton of noise crap on the carpet and leave and every so like every other week we were deploying code and it you know every time he he'd find out we were deploying and so he'd he'd be hovering and watching and i remember one time i had called my wife and i said look i'm probably going to be home an hour late because we're doing a deployment tonight you know and you know most of the time it went mostly fine right but you know every once in a while it didn't and this was one of those nights and so it's about halfway through deployment and he comes flying in making a ton of noise and he craps all over the place because the website's down right and you know and we we had done the whole process and we had put it on staging and you know so we had done everything right but for some reason it was down and we couldn't just roll it back and put it back up and so i called her back and told her i was going to be a few hours later and then they ordered us in pizza and i think we went home at like one in the morning right and, and so what you're talking about here um I've set up systems that it's continuous delivery where at least when I push to master or main, it deploys, right? And so I know right away whether or not it's working and, you know, whether or not I need to roll back. And, you know, just to make your point, I mean, you know, it avoids a lot of that crappy part of the job. And you're you're talking about using AI to do this kind of thing. And boy, isn't that the case, right? Where the AI can now say intelligently, hey, look, yeah. If if I need human intervention, I'll let you know and I know how to get a hold of you, but you can go, you know, you can go home and be with the kids, right? And that that should be the intention. I, if somebody asked me what my why was, why do you do this, Nick, right? Like, why do you if you're working to start, yeah. why are you killing yourself doing this? And it is, it's because I was that person. I used to have to prove innocence. I would sit in the data center. Oh, yeah. And I'd go through networking, database, Mm-hmm. storage like you name it everybody had to prove everyone was guilty every single group was guilty until proven innocent and the i mean to your point you hit these rollback windows you were supposed to be home at midnight it's 4 a.m like and i'm away from my kids i'm away from my family yep. if you can give that time back to people imagine the morale bump imagine the productivity boost because you're not mm-hmm. having to do that and to your point all of these things should be able to be thought of like an engineer we yeah. know if we're doing a canary deployment, we're looking at two side by side. No big deal. But mm-hmm. it's the more complex ones. It's the the blue greens where you don't have traffic side by side, right? It's it's right. it's uh, it's the traditional where my traffic five minutes ago doesn't look like my traffic five minutes mm-hmm. from now. Now you and I can go look at the logs, and be like, yeah, hey, that's normal. We see that during deployments. But why not let machines do that, right? Yep. And that's the part that no one loves. So take those types of things. Even look at like non production infrastructure. You know how many times we try to build like follow the sun type environments so that you know, only our dev infrastructure is up at the right time. Why mm-hmm. Why not install what would be the equivalent of like, you know, those neat little light switches that when no one's in the room, they just turn themselves off until you come back. Right. Like Those are the types of things we try to automate to, again, remove that burden and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and grow efficiencies. No, I, 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 I love it. Right. And, and yeah, just because the thing is, is um, 
even if it's not kind of the, you know, I mean, we've talked about some pretty gross things that we've had to do, right? Um, but even if it's not one of those things, I mean, sometimes it's just frustrating because I spend two days doing something that I know it would take a competent person an hour to do simply because it's just outside of my wheelhouse. Yeah. And so if you could automate that away, I'm I'm happy to have you do that, right? And that way I can go in and I can just, I can do the part of the job that I love and I know I'm adding value. I'm making people happy. You know, I'm making my customers' lives better. That's why I'm showing up to work. And so, yeah. You know, get that stuff out of the way. I, I I absolutely love it. One of the things we talk about, and it's interesting, is when you empower all these teams to work together in in, in a singular tool. Right now, there's visibility, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. ultimately gives trust. And I think that's one of the things people talk about: people, process, technology, people, process, tooling, right. all the time. I think that's garbage. I think it's complete garbage, which is might be a shock <laughs> to a lot of folks because that's gonna, gonna be like, hold on, feelings. I'm gonna hurt yeah. a lot of people's feelings. But here's the reality of it. It doesn't matter if it's people, process, or technology. It doesn't matter if it's any of them. It's about confidence. Mm-hmm. Are you confident that that, that so task true. will finish? Now, mm-hmm. is it is it you know uh, is it is it Brent who's 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 solving that problem for us? Right? Is it is it is it a, a pipeline that's been been laid out? Is it process? Is it a tool? It genuinely doesn't matter. And so most companies can go through on the heroics of an individual because again they're confident that it'll go out, mm-hmm. but that only lasts so far. Right. right, process can be great as long as it's followed. Tooling, but the benefit here is if you actually empower everyone inside the same tool, now it creates trust. We know what's happening. We know what people mm-hmm. are asking us to do. We know what security's rules are, so we can we can actually follow them. We know what the DevOps team wants, what templates they want us to use, so we can again negotiate maybe some additions to it. But now all of us can actually operate in a way that's meaningful. Now you have confidence, and now you get to actually start seeing growth. That makes sense. So. Is this where harness comes in then? You you do this kind of thing where, yeah, you're, you know, you're watching, you're tracking, you're allowing people to put the inputs that they care about. You're automating away some of the risk. Um, I, I mean, is that what we're talking about when we talk about harness? That's, that's 100% what we're talking about. Everyone wants to go fast, right? Everybody wants to deploy faster. That's yep. where people start. Hey, I want to deploy faster. And what do they do? They, they take the CI tool they already have. Right. So we'll extend mm-hmm. that. I'll uh, use some open source tools along with it. And that's how we start going fast. And then traditionally, at some point, we realize, ooh, that needs to be governed. There needs to be rules around this. And right. How do we put those in? And that gets challenging. And then after after we make those rules and after we're going fast, now we realize things are breaking. Why? Because we're going so fast. We don't know what broke what, how it got there. Right. And if you can solve for all that, so not only the rollout, just like you were talking about, but also the rollback, this can take it back to where it was in case it doesn't work. Now we get into efficiency issues because people are deploying everywhere all the time, over-provision, no idea what's going on, not tagging mm-hmm. appropriately, all these things. And so Harness is designed to cover you across that entire gamut. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be writing scripts to deploy. Let us handle that for you. Right. That way, if you switch from Google today to Amazon tomorrow or Amazon today to Google tomorrow and back to a data center... You don't have to care. You don't have to write yeah. a new script to do it. And then really allow you to do it in a governed, audited, compliant manner. So again, security can write all those rules. Hey, you can't deploy unless these security tests are done or those right. pieces are met. And so now it becomes a working system. So to your point, you gain all of that when you start working together and you start trusting each other. 
I, I, I really love it. One thing that I want to just point out is that you didn't kind of paint this idealized picture where it's just like, you just plug it in, it solves your problems, right? That there's a learning curve to a lot of this, which is fair. But at the end, what you wind up with is you wind up having solved enough of the common problems to where it becomes automatic and it becomes reliable and you can confidently move ahead. It becomes a place where you start trusting it. So if I keep telling you, so let's say your response to failure is, you know, by default, we, we turn it to, to rollback, but maybe you turn it to manual intervention. So mm -hmm. we're only going to, we're going to call you every time that there's something potentially wrong. If we 10 times out of 10 tell you something's wrong and it needs to roll back and you're like, yeah, it needs to roll back. You'll probably start trusting harness. And right. I think that's, that's the intention. It's really to start being able to trust that. And that's through mm -hmm. all the people. But but I think you made a very good comment. This is not about throwing away everything you've done for the last right. 6, 10, 15 years. In fact, it's about integrating with it. So where I'd say we're very different than others that make you literally pick up their entire ecosystem, mm -hmm. you tell us, hey, we, we start in JIRA. Awesome. Right? We use this for CI. Great. Right? We, we You could help us in delivery. Um, we use that tooling for feature flags. Now, Harness can do this gamut of things, but but again, operate where you're at today. Right. And really solve for the pain that you have. Like, I don't need to go. If you've built a phenomenal CI system, it's working great, amazing. Keep it. But mm -hmm. what if you're where? Where is your problem? Is it in the delivery aspect of it? Is it in the verification aspect? Right. Is it, is, is it in the efficiency? Great. We'll help you there. And so I think that's the difference. To your point, is because we integrate with all of the tooling you use today, you don't have to go and change everything you're doing, and that makes it easy to consume. Yeah, it makes sense. Now, uh, we've kind of gotten into the space where, you know, we're talking about some of these processes and some of them are pretty linear, right? It, you know, if the test passes, if we meet all the rules, then we deploy, right? We keep an eye on it and then maybe roll back or whatever if we have a problem. Otherwise, we let it run and maybe monitor it for a little bit to make sure it doesn't have any issues. So where does the AI come in? Right? Yeah, no. Where, where does the AI create the shortcut for me so that I don't have to do that part of the work either? Yeah, I think here here's the part. So you can actually have it sitting there monitoring all of the metrics you care about for any of your services that you have. And so even if you say, I don't know, make a code change or sorry, let's say you make a, a cloud configuration change. So ancillary mm -hmm. to even the deployment and that right. affects your service. We should be tracking that. We should be tracking that against your SLAs, right? Against your SLOs, giving you an error budget for it understanding the blast radius so when you do make these changes how often do you fail how mm -hmm. big of an outage do you take that right. way you know what your sla is pretty used up you have a very small air budget left your blast radius is huge that'll roll over next week and while you want to deploy today we as a company could actually take penalty for that so right. the system not 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 because i feel like i don't like your 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 team or or there's any emotion to it just period the mm -hmm. risk is high Let's do it next week when your SLAs roll off. Mm. Let's not go and rebuild, again, each one of those um, runways to get people to the cloud. Let's use standardized templates that are blessed by security, that are blessed by the governance groups mm -hmm. to make sure that we meet all of our requirements. And to your point, if they don't meet them, how are they handled? And even the automation of right. failures handled. So in these situations, roll back. In those situations, call people. In these situations, retry. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. And that's the thing is that, um, and, and we could go into AI, you know, algorithms and setups and stuff. I don't think it's necessarily worth it here. But um, one thing that if you've done even just some precursor work in AI, 
the the thing that's really cool about it is you can as you continuously train it, it gets better, right? Correct. And so it'll know in better terms, you know. So yeah, the first few times it may call somebody when it really could retry or roll back or whatever. But then if the person they call says try again or roll back or whatever, it can start to pick up those patterns and start training itself so that it goes, you know what? I'm going to try and roll back and then call, or I'm going to try again and then call. And, and that way, you know, that, I mean, that's even less stuff if it works right that I have to deal with as the person who's getting a phone call. So what's interesting is a lot of folks will tell you that they use, you know, AI and their tooling Mm -hmm. and be very clear, dig into that. Like if someone makes that claim, you should really ask some questions because what a lot of people mean is like math. They mean standard deviation, which by the way, is the machine learning. That's, that's just math. That's all it is. Uh It's not even, it's not even ML. And so really need to dig into how much machine learning are they actually using? You know, are they creating neural networks? Like how are they clustering? Mm -hmm. Like how are these things happening? You know, is this supervised? Is it unsupervised? Do you, again, have that ability to help those systems learn based on your human knowledge? And so we want to integrate all of those types of pieces to it, but that's the exact point. People ask us, well, how long is this going to, is it going to take me six months to start gaining advantage from that AI? The answer is no. At Harness, on the second deployment, on the second build, on the second time you do anything is where you start gaining advantage. And the reason mm-hmm. for that is with any machine learning that you do, you have, uh, you know, have a baseline and you have test data. And so the first one's going to be baseline. You're going to show us what good looks like the first time. And that's what we're going to use the baseline to show you how to get better. Yep. So that's your starting point. And and then now, of course, the longer you use it, the more inputs you have. Again, but also, and this is one of the fun things, you can always retrain it. And here's why I say this, because I'm sure you and I have done this many times. 1.1, 1.2, 1.3, great. Now Mm -hmm. 2.0, very different. Maybe different languages. Nothing actually stays standard in fact the the errors and the exceptions that come might be written from entirely different people right so then how do we go do that and again you can rebase them you can start from scratch Mm -hmm. and you can you can again build those models up from there so the intention is to start doing it from the second time you do anything in harness start genuinely levering leveraging true artificial intelligence so neural networks designed to think like you clusters that are that are figured out by itself not by us telling us where and how to cluster things Right, but really understanding applications and the way that your best engineers do the same way they would. Yeah, makes sense. And if you want to dive into more on how neural networks work, supervised, unsupervised, you know, all the stuff that uh, Nick is talking about here, uh, we do have a podcast, Adventures in Machine Learning, and they talk about all kinds of stuff like this. Um, and so, uh, yeah, and we've got some great hosts. So definitely go check that out. Um, but yeah, I, I guess... I'm I'm kind of wondering because the proof's always in the pudding, right? I mean, it's one thing to kind of talk, hey, you know, developers' lives get better when they don't have to do the stuff that they're not good at or that they don't want to do. Um, you know, here are some of the ways it gets better. Um, do do I mean I I guess you probably have examples of people that have done this, right? Where they've come in and they said, okay, we've got our CI set up, or maybe they weren't even that far along, right? And, you know, we're having these reliability issues every time we deploy, um, we wind up having to fire. Some, well, I don't think they fire people, but, you know, somebody gets figuratively beheaded and, it, you know, it's ugly and we have the postmortem and nobody knows what happened. And so, you know, they, they come in and they start using something like harness and they start taking the steps to fix their process, to track their process, to do some of the things we've talked about here, to put these tools to use. And their whole situation got better. So sure. yeah, tell tell us a story. 
Yeah, no, look, you know, we we wouldn't be a thriving business if this wasn't something that was working. Right. But but more important to that, like let's get into real real scenarios because what was interesting, I got up on stage with a company called NCR there. Um you slide like a credit card at a Chick-fil-A okay. or a, a grocery store, you'll see it's an NCR terminal. Uh-huh. So we got up on stage with them and we talked about all this amazing things that we're doing for them, fully automating all their deployments, no cab anymore. The the cab wrote mm-hmm. the rules. So the the customer the change advisory board sat down and wrote all the rules you have to have. Nothing would go to production unless it had it. And right. I said, what was the biggest benefit of using Harness? And, and we expected to be all these different things around ROI and metrics. And, mm-hmm. and it said it was getting our nights and weekends back. No kidding. So there's a thousand developers <laughs> that, 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 that were just glad to have their nights and weekends back. Blown away. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is you see this because everyone, like everyone who we've sold Harness to ever and who we work with, they've all been deploying software, building software. Mm-hmm. Like, Everything they're doing, they've already, you know, they've already written. This. Right. Um, one good one was um, the folks from, from booking.com. They actually, um, they came out to our, our unscripted conference and Woody uh, was actually the gentleman who wrote shipper an open source project on how to deploy software. And that's what booking used for mm-hmm. years. Right. And what was interesting, uh, you know, we, we started talking with Woody. I said, well, well, do you want to do it again for X, you know, for cloud X or cloud Y or, you know, different deployment type? Mm-hmm. And the answer was like, no, I've already done it. I built it. But like, why well, don't want to do it again? And right. so being able to implement and take all those things that you've already done and leverage them in a tool, what did they gain? Well, instead of having a team of like 75 people doing this, right, they had a small group to find the templates and then off the races they went. <laughs> and these are the types of things that like, I was focusing all my time, energy, and effort just creating these these runways for people to get right. to the cloud. Why was I doing that? And and now I'm going to do what I'm great at. And that was the best part. And so now all these people, all of their processes got better. All of the way that they they handled internal um, uh, different pieces, the, the delivery of it, the, the builds got better. Everything got better because now the DevOps team could focus on all the things that actually people cared about, not, right. not building a new pipeline. No, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, one other question that I'm I'm kind of thinking about here, because you're talking about cloud deployments, right? And and it makes sense. I mean, the clouds do all kinds of stuff and you can turn services on and off and you can, maybe you've got some microservices that you do on like uh, Lambda functions or something. And then you've got other stuff that you deploy to uh, server instances in the cloud. Um, but there are other services that people have that aren't those, right? So they've got yep. IoT or mobile apps or things like that, where deployment means pushing it to the app store or deployment means um, having it up there so that when the IOT device checks for an update, it updates. So, so how do you handle those? Yeah. So no, if you think about it, it's really where is the deployment at and where's the verification. So it doesn't matter if it's bare metal, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm SSHing into a, a Linux box on-premise. Um, or to your point, if the last step after I've done my deployment, after I've done my testing, after I've done my verifications, the last step is that API call to Google or to Apple, mm-hmm. right, or or to Amazon to, to to publish to the app stores. Genuinely, that's a deployment, and it doesn't matter whether it's a, you know, a container, a, a mm-hmm. Lambda function, a jar, a war, a tar, a, a NuGet package on a Windows box. I mean, <laughs> right. the, the reality is, you know, if you look at and and why this is beneficial is it. It's not just for that brand new modern workload that you're excited about, but it's also, and for most of our large customers, it's for what keeps the lights on. Right. And, uh, you know, I'd love to say that mainframes are gone um, and they're not. And and that's the thing <laughs> is like it has to be able to support kind of all all levels of technology. So a deployment to us is a deployment. Like we don't really care what, when, where, how. 
we have a lot of these done natively for you so you don't have to figure out the networking and the blue green mm-hmm. and, and the canary but even if it is something that's completely random um you know we had some some grocery stores a lot of them use a massive amount of machine learning to go figure out what you buy and where to stock the shelves and how to do that and they wanted to use harness not just to deploy applications but to deploy the models let's deploy right. the models and then use our verification to understand did the model get better so mm-hmm. we'll do that as well so it genuinely uh, you know, whether it's it's fully supported by Harness natively or whether it's something you create a template for that operates in the same exact capacity. So you create that template once, everyone can use it. You want to do SageMaker on Amazon because you wrote your own custom one the way you do it? Go for it. Um, mm-hmm. You want to do a specific push to a very specific app store? No problem. That's awesome. So <laughs> let's say that I'm in a position where I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, maybe I'm a newer startup and I've gotten to the point now where uh, this is starting to become painful, right? Or maybe I'm an established business and, you know, we've been just kind of pushing through the pain for a while because we didn't really see any better options. And now I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, oh, that sounds like something that could really help, right? It could it could short circuit a lot of this process. It could take a lot of the pain out of it. You know, to, to use the language you put, I could get my nights and weekends back, Um how, how do they get started? Like, what what do they do to go get harness and start hooking it in? Perfect. Well, you actually brought me to the, those are the, really the two segments that we help with. A, why? So because that startup doesn't have extra DevOps people to go do this work. Right. You and I are having to do it. And so mm-hmm. we can automate that time. Great. Now we can do more with less. And so really, you can you can download it right away. So you can go in, you can start using it. You can start doing the free builds online for the CI tool up in the cloud. You don't have to have the infrastructure, right? Um, or... If you want a, a larger engagement, if you want us to come help you, we've got a whole team of, um, of sales engineers that can come in and actually help you set up uh, a proof of value, show you how you can actually gain value out of this and, and really kind of walk you through it so you don't have to do it the mm-hmm. first time. Uh, for larger enterprises, you know, traditionally when you're trying to implement something as large as a software delivery lifecycle, there's 8, 10, 12 different groups that have to get together. Yep. I've got to get my secrets. i got to get my Amazon folks. i got to get my mm-hmm. data center folks, networking, you know, all these different groups. And so, again, we can help you facilitate that in order to show value quickly. Um, but the benefit here is that all of it you can you can just go download and start using today. All right, go to harness.io, uh, whether it's builds, whether it's deploys, whether it's looking at your cloud cost and remediating it and turning your systems off in non-prod to genuinely save your executives money tomorrow. Uh, those are the types of things you can go do now, uh, but we can also help you as well. Awesome. Sounds good. Yeah, that was harness.io, not harness.com, right? That is harness.io. Correct. All right. Yep. Good deal. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds great. And to be perfectly honest, it, it, you know, I mean, I've pointed out it would have solved some pain for me in some of the organizations that I've worked in. And uh, so, yeah, hopefully somebody listening out there is going, this sounds like something we should consider because, yeah, it'll it'll help us maybe postpone having to hire that next person and at the same time make all of these processes that we're dealing with a whole lot simpler. And look, one of the benefits here is that we're not going to push you, right? That That's the thing. The, right. the whole reason this is built as a modular platform if there's something that your team's struggling with, if if you've hit that roadblock, governance becomes that thing, efficiency, mm-hmm. whatever it is, great, we'll help you there. Right? But we're not, you don't have to go and use the entire platform and switch everything you've done. And I think that's the important piece, <laughs> which is it's easy to start, solve the pain that you have. Um, and if you want to use more of it, 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 it's easy. You know, we've got a lot of these large financial institutions that have a very specific problem. I want to solve for deliver 
for delivering. And then it's like, well, I can turn feature flags on. I can have that in the same pipeline with the same audit, the same governance. Wow, that'd be interesting. That'd be nice. I could do that yeah. for the builds too. Great. But but again, not required. The intention here is to remove some pain. If you don't have pain and, and you love what you're doing and it's and it's working fine and there's like, awesome. You've built something amazing. And, and be, be very clear, like I said, every company you've ever worked with has built this. They're all deploying software. Mm-hmm. If we can help you do it better and more efficiently, if we can give you that extra bit of magic that, that, that makes you guys more successful, phenomenal. We'd love to help you. Uh, again, harness.io, try it. And and genuinely, Chuck, I want to thank you for having us on the show. You know, my intention was to talk about the technologies and pieces. I know we talked a, a little bit about Harness, but uh, again, uh, really appreciated the opportunity to talk about the technology, the challenges that people are going through, and, and hopefully how we can help. Yep, absolutely. Well, and I think you can help. That's why I had you on the show. So I appreciate um, it. But yeah, well, let's wrap up. And uh, folks, uh, we'll be back next week with another developer tool in the toolbox.